Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Male Plus. I'm joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Hello. You're looking very fabulous today, Imogen. I am so not. I have been <laughs> admiring your piece today in the mail, and I've been thinking... Hmm, about Meghan Markle. I need Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle, yes, Meghan Markle's facialist. The revenge makeover. Yes, I need a facialist. Yes, because it's not. It's it's definitely just a facial, isn't it? Definitely just There's nothing a facial. else going on there. No, no. I know, because they change the shape of your chin, the facialist. Oh, yes, they all, do. And all that. Make your of, eyes a different shape as well. That's yeah. amazing what they can do with massage these days, Yes, I and say. actually, strangely, it also yes. appears to be a different colour. Yeah, and a bit of cleansing. Amazing. I could do with that. What I could really do with is actually her hairbrush, which... <laughs> If you, I look actually, like you know, her hair is so straight. I actually thought it looked a bit painful. Oh, did you? I, I was a bit like, oh, it's like glass hair almost. It's been ironed. It has been ironed. But you know that um, Korean glass skin thing that's no. very fashionable, where you put so much stuff on your skin, it sort of turns into a, basically an ice rink. Oh. She's got the same thing with her hair. Yes. Anyway, she popped up. It's amazing because we haven't seen her for quite a long time. No. I think probably about six weeks, which I seem to remember is about the same amount of time <laughs> it takes to, to go to a clinic in Switzerland and then come back from a clinic in Switzerland. But anyway, I'm not saying anything. But what no. I, my daughter said to me, she said she looks like she's got, done that bold glamour filter. She does. I slightly wondered if her telephone would recognise her. <laughs> that was the only thing I was thinking of. Just, I put that in my column. And I think you? they took it out. Oh, didn't they? I think because they thought it was too rude. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, good. We've got it in the podcast, so yeah. that's brilliant. But or talking of AI, yes, that's what we're doing today. My new obsession. Oh, I'm actually slightly terrified. I had a nightmare about AI the other day. Did you? Yes. What happened? Were you taken over by a robot and put in a yes. cage and then used for body parts? Yes, but yes, actually, yes. And I've also been watching that television show where people are actually mushrooms. Oh, yes. Which yeah. absolutely... Oh, the is, Last of Us. Yes. But that's not to do with AI. I know, but that's all, it's all combined but together. But The Matrix, The Matrix is the one that you don't want to watch again because The Matrix, which was made a thousand years ago, is basically our life now. Yes. We're all going to end up in pods. Yes, well, my son thinks that we're all in a Matrix Being anyway. Being used for fertiliser. Yes. He thinks that it's we're all in the... Oh, he, already in the Matrix. Already in the Matrix. Okay. And am I really alive or not? Or as some, am I just a programme? <laughs> And at that point, I just had to have a glass of wine and say, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I don't, I'm just going to plug back into my particular matrix. Exactly. Anyway, so we yeah. are going to get into this because I'm fascinated by it. And the fact that, you know, Elon Musk, who is the king of all that stuff, says that it's really scary and dangerous. So we're going to be talking to James Barrett, whose book on AI was in fact recommended by Elon Musk. And he said it was one of the five books everyone should read about the future. Plus, mm. quite a bit of a celebrity moment. Oh, Great. Loose woman Linda Robson. Oh, I love and her. And Birds of a Feather Star is going to be joining us to talk about medical cannabis. An open letter calling for a pause on the development of AI has been signed by almost 30,000 people, among them Elon Musk, Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, and our next guest, James Barrett. James is a filmmaker and author of Our Final Invention, Artificial Intelligence and the End of the Human Era. James joins us now. James, thank you so much for doing this. I have become recently obsessed with AI. You um, have. It started with that bold glamour filter on TikTok, <laughs> that AI filter, because most filters are just rubbish. They just overlay something on someone's face. But that thing actually properly changed the yeah. way you looked, almost like on a cellular level. And then I started thinking about it. And then I got sort of fell down a kind of rabbit hole of oh my God, we're all living in the matrix. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I Machi don't know why I'm laughing, it's machines true. Machines <laughs> are going to kill us all. And then we came to you and you've been warning about this for years. So 
what I suppose what I want to know is how serious is the threat? I mean, I think it's quite serious because it seems to me that AI is misbehaving itself already, doing things like making its own decisions about which languages it learns and making autonomous decisions. That's the fear, isn't it? Is that it's not just a sort of tool to make our lives easier. It's actually something that's starting to make its own decisions. And if it does start to make its own decisions, what would those decisions be and how could they endanger us? Excellent questions. You're reflecting what's going on with all of us as OpenAI, DeepMind, Microsoft, Google, and Meta they keep launching these tools at us, uh, LAMDA, DALI, GPT-3, 4, and probably 5. And we're in this cycle of mm. shock and then assimilation, and then there's a new, a new tool. Unfortunately, mm. you know, the current level of the tools are incredibly persuasive at making us perceive a mind behind them because we've never heard a voice or listened to language that didn't come from a mind, right? A human mind. Mm. But these don't come from human minds. And they don't do actually any real thinking or reasoning. What they do is they have been fed billions and billions of words from all over the internet, all kinds of literature, and they've ingested them so that it's made the algorithm inside them grow. And these are transformer-based generative models, which basically means they're really, really big. So. What it's doing is when you prompt it, it's examining those words, the relationships of those words in the prompt, and then it's finding within itself analogs and it's predicting what is the next best word and then what is the next best sentence. It doesn't know what anything means. Right. Like it doesn't know that you can cup your hands or put a cup on the table. It doesn't know anything about the world. Mm. So it's not coming up with original ideas. It's coming up with stuff that we've accrued over the life of the internet. So like a parrot, basically. It's been called a parrot. It's a very clever parrot. Uh, Sorry, clever. It's not clever. We can't, we want to anthropomorphize. It's almost impossible not to, to attribute human characteristics Mm. to these tools. But there's no mind there. Not to say that there won't be. And that's where the real, as you pointed out earlier, that's where the real danger lies. So how could that happen? How could that come about? We're used to a couple of ways. We're used to thinking about AI systems as being inert and uh, they don't do anything unless they're prompted. Right now, these companies are Mm. trying to build initiative into some of these systems. So they originate ideas Mm. and they'll be able to, in time, create what's called, attach to what's called an ontology or a common sense database. So all the things I said they don't know, Mm. they can learn. They can learn through uh, right. by, by attaching to databases that exist of common sense knowledge. They could be put into a robot and go out and explore and take in things with their audio and visual sensors. They could learn about the world mm. and they could have, uh, they could initiate ideas. And all these companies are on the fast track to give them these properties. And there's no regulation at all, is there? And of course, the only driver really, presumably, is money. You you put your finger on it. It's bizarre, given the stakes down the road and not very far down the road, that the industry has been left to self-regulate. A recent Mm. Stanford poll said 36% of AI researchers said generative AI could lead to a nuclear-level catastrophe. That's 36%. In another poll of machine learning experts said half of them polled said there's a 10% chance of human annihilation. 
So with these kinds of stakes... 10%, that's quite a high percentage, isn't that is it? A, that is a very I high would say percentage. That's quite a high One percentage. half of them said 10%, so it's probably right. over 5%. And what would be the process for that? Why are they saying that? Well, they're saying that because they're looking down the road. I mean, they're looking at these, to mm. at these tools and they're seeing them as a... I'll tell you very clearly, they're seeing them as a stepping stone to artificial general intelligence, human-level intelligence. Right. It will have the power of human intelligence, but not be human-like, it will be alien. From there, from human-level intelligence, that's a stepping stone to superintelligence. Once they start, you know, and they're, they're teaching these programs these things, once ChatGPT4 starts programming ChatGPT5, and ChatGPT5 programs ChatGPT6 all on its own, mm. then we're off to the races, and the machines are setting the pace of the intelligence explosion, not us. And their intelligence will race ahead of ours. It's already started making things up, though, hasn't it? There was some poor professor that I read in uh, America who'd had some libel case. Did you really read this story? That they yeah. suggested that he'd been convicted of sexually yeah. assaulting somebody yes, yes. on a trip. Well, you know, it's funny. The tech industry has come up with the word hallucination. Hallucination right. basically means lying. So they hallucinate. Yeah. They make things up. I did a test where I, I, was, uh, I was writing something and I asked to make a connection between two ideas and then provide a citation. Well, 100% of the citations on ChatGPT are incorrect. The book was made up. The authors were made up. The publisher was made up. They just want to answer. Their goal is to predict the next best word or sentence. And they'll do wow. that even okay. if they have nothing to offer. Oh, so see. they basically sweep their knowledge base and then just find the thing that matches most. Most efficacious uh, the, the, bit the, of the, stuff. That seems the most likely solution. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. Deep Blue, IBM's chess playing robot, would actually look things up. Mm. It would scroll through things at a blinding rate. These models, these large language generative models have already ingested this information. So they're not looking anything up. They're reacting to what's inside them. Their algorithm is incredibly large and incredibly opaque. If you opened a door and looked inside the algorithm, you'd see decimals and fragments of symbols. And that's the way it ingests information. So it's already ingested. So it's not scrolling through right. to look up. It's responding in some way like you and I do. We're not stopping to think mm. about every word, but some mm. part of our brain is processing. What should I mm. say next? Uh, listening and processing. It's like it's the difference between speaking a foreign language and speaking your own language. Yes. You have to think about the foreign language yeah. where you don't have to speak about your own language. Think about your it's own language. It's kind of like that. But what, but what the danger that's happening is that we cannot explain exactly how they work. Stuart mm. Russell, who's one of the fathers of deep learning, which is one of these techniques, says, mm. we don't know how it works. We don't know how these large language modules work. And that's why. See, that's, that's what I don't. And that's why these. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I just don't understand that because how can humans build a system that they don't understand how it works? Yes. Sorry. Well, I always thought yeah. a computer or a program was only. If as I build a car and an engine, did it. I know how yeah. the engine works. Yes. Yeah. They know the general principles. They know that if you take a simple learning algorithm and feed it a bunch of data, it will then mm. develop predictive properties about that data. If you stack up these algorithms into, you know, a uh, hundred or a thousand deep, that's called deep learning and the predictive mm. capabilities grow. If you scale up the compute power, the number of processors and the data, 
the predictive abilities become astronomical. That's what we're dealing with now. Okay, so it's beyond the understanding, really, of, of our minds in the sense. So, yeah. James, are, are we out of a job then, most importantly? Well, I'm, I'm joking. But I mean, you know, it's interesting. Back when I wrote Our Final Invention 10 years ago, I thought, well, we'll deal with the short term problems until we get to the big problem. Hmm. Now we're in a place where we have to deal with them both at the same time. The short term problems hmm. still exist. There's going to be hmm. giant unemployment. Uh, writers are going to be out of jobs, and it's going to go deep into the white-collar work. All factory jobs will be gone. Technologist argument is that new jobs will be created. Yes, they will be created, but they'll be uh, created at, at a fraction of the number that will be displaced. So the economy will totally collapse, effectively, because... It will transform. It will change. So it'll be worse than the Industrial so, Revolution. Well, in so sense no, but so it, some people will have lots of money and the rest of us will well, have nothing. Well, Elon Musk will have lots of money yeah. and then everybody else will be that's ex- that's pretty much That's pretty much the way it's going. You and I, unless you've got, you know, I would t- t- tell your listeners, find jobs to do that require emotional intelligence. There are things that won't be replaced right away. Be a hmm. teacher, be a psychologist, be a therapist, teach music. Be an artist if you have some talent, because these things are going to be, well, art might be going by the wayside. In America, a, uh, an AI just won a photography contest. Um, yes, I saw too, that. Yes, I yeah. saw that. But yeah. do you think, and also do, released a single by Drake, Drake and The Weeknd, <laughs> which was indistinguishable from a natural single. So I have a really big question, which is that why are humans doing this to ourselves? Mm. Why are we doing it to ourselves? That's, a, why, that's, why? that's really, you know, I'm, I'm writing a proposal for a book about AI. Uh, to, to update our final invention. And that's really, mm. that's really it. Yeah, we, we've never met a technology that we didn't want to use. We've never invented mm. something that we didn't want to use. We've never invented a weapon that didn't find its way out into the field, field of mm. battle. The one exception is we agreed not to use chemical weapons and biological weapons. And that's generally been observed. But aside from that, mm. we can't help but build things. Plus there is so much money involved. It's, it's incredible. Another giant of AI said that AGI, artificial general intelligence, that's human level intelligence in a machine, will be worth 13 quadrillion dollars. That's a 13 Mm. with 15 zeros. So why are we propelled this way? Because all these companies, there's a giant amount of money to be made. Think about but there'll be no yes, way to spend but, it, though. But, but, there'll be no, there, there'll be no way in. to spend it, but also <laughs> government. So but let's bring in legislation. I think it was you actually who said on the Today program the other day, you know, you wouldn't just let a pharmaceutical firm just develop endless amounts of medicines. No. You, know, you have to have some checks and balances in place. You know, you can't just sort of launch an untried and untested technology on the medical world. That's not doing. Why is it the governments are so reluctant? Because, I mean, I think we should have regulated the internet, for example, a long time ago. Yeah. I think there should be some sort of international law, there should be rules, there should be regulations, there should well, be boundaries. You particularly want pornography I particularly put want pornography and... put behind a paywall because I think that has had a huge, awful detrimental effect on a lot of people. But it seems to me that this is going to make all of this stuff just look like a walk in the park. And I don't understand why governments are so reluctant. I mean, I think what Britain should do is convene a COP-style AI summit mm. and get everyone from all of these companies like Elon Musk and but all this lot some countries to actually banned sit down and have a have a chat. I mean, the only no, the only country that's banned Chat GBT at the moment is Italy, mm-hmm. and she's done it. And everyone says she's a lunatic and a right wing fanatic and all of this kind of stuff. But I think she's, 
I think she's made the right decision. Just press pause and have a conversation about it. We can have a world summit on climate change. Mm. Why can't we have a world summit on AI? A couple of things. One is you're, you're absolutely right. There, there is no will by the government because you can't imagine the amount of money that these tech companies spend on lobbyists to prevent this kind of regulation. We have an FDA of the Food and Drug Administration here in America, so you can't just introduce drugs, as you said. We have the transportation agency. You can't just build a plane and start charging passengers to fly in it. You've got to go through, jump through a bunch of hoops. We have the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, that has, by treaty, has uh, the ability to look at what you're doing with your nuclear reactors. We need that with AI, absolutely. There's not the political will because these guys are getting their pockets stuffed. Well, that's not um, no, that's totally unacceptable. I, just got I mean, I asked, I have a few connections in government and I did ask somebody and? who was in cabinet, you know, when this was raised in cabinet, yes. which it was. What did they say? And the, basically the sort of consensus is there are two basic schools of thought. One is it's really scary. We need to regulate it. Yeah. And the other is, oh my goodness, this could save us a lot of money in public sector oh, I see. efficiency, right. savings and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that is the danger, but it's not okay. To... But, no, but, they're, but they're saving you a lot of money at the expense of your population. You won't have any jobs. Yeah. So you just create mass unemployment at the same time as save. So what you then you have to pay to look after the unemployed. Yes, because humans can't be idle, can they? I mean, no. we're not built to be idle. No, we and have to have some purpose. You put your finger on a really important point. People talk about a uh, global basic income or, you know, a, a basic income mm. that everybody will get, thinking that'll pacify us. But we like to work. Mm. You know, humans like to work. We, yeah. we, we get meaning out of our jobs. We get fulfillment out of our jobs, no matter what we do. Mm. If mm. I, you know, I was watching guys repair my fence and they were really good at it. And they were joking and, and having a, you know, a good time and finding satisfaction in their work. I generally make documentary films uh, in addition to writing and we get a ton of fun and meaning out of what we do. Mm -hmm. We everybody that works that does, with few, with some exceptions. Some people would rather not work and you know play video games all day. But by and large, humans are workers. And you take that away and give us a check every month, and you're going to have a lot of unhappy people on your hands. We'll just drink ourselves <laughs> to death. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what will happen. Well, that'll happen for the you first know. couple of months, and then then people will go, hmm. "This is no way to live," you know, and they'll they'll say, yeah. oh, "We want our jobs back." Screw these machines. And then we rage against the machine. Yes. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you read loads of old Soviet literature, do you think that's one, what it's all about. Do you think one of the big obstacles to all of this stuff is the fact that so much science fiction has been written about the threat from AI that a lot of sort of quote unquote serious people think, oh, well, you know, that's just Aldous Huxley or mm. whatever. Yeah. And that there's a sort of stigma attached to anyone who raises any issues. You know, I wrote in our final invention that we've made ourselves immune to fear of AI because in all those stories, the humans win. So the worst that could happen is there's a fight, then we win. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have no, to. We don't, really we, we don't have to win. Uh, it's not, it's well, not guaranteed. We don't win in 2001 Space Odyssey, I seem to remember. Well, he, they won and they lost. They lost some people. And then, um, you know, in fact, I, I yeah. interviewed Arthur C. Clarke about the Did you? 1000. Yeah, that was one of the one of the highlights of my life was I spent a day with him in Sri Lanka. Wow. And uh, he said something really important uh, that stuck with me, and that's we humans steer the future not because we're the fastest creatures or the smartest or the fastest or the uh, strongest, but because we're the most intelligent. And whatever mm -hmm. is more intelligent than us will steer the future. And we're building it as fast as we can. 
Yeah, I just don't know why we're building no. it. I just can't understand. It's like a colossal act of self-harm. Mm. Do you think, well, I mean, this is sort of extinction act, act of extinction, isn't well, it? Well, you know, that, that a lot of people think so. A lot of people think that here's something that will scare you. There's something called the great filter concept. And it's, you know, if there are so many planets in the Goldilocks zone that should be full of intelligent life, why haven't we heard from them? One of the great filter hypotheses says that they've developed AI. And so they, they, they exterminate so themselves. So they, so they had a brief window of mm. civilization and then they, they closed it. I mean, we did legislate against cloning babies. Do you remember? Yeah. Yes. And I then, mean, we did actually then, stop. And China went out and cloned babies. Yeah. Not very successfully, though. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know if it lived or, or what. That's a, it's a, horrifying, it's a horrifying concept. We do have to consider that there could be benefits. You know, along with the, you know, a lot of computer scientists and AI makers think that the benefits outweigh the risks. So you can imagine, imagine you, you achieve human level intelligence in a machine, take a hundred PhD quality brains, tie them together and take on 24 seven, take on cancer research, take on medicine yeah. development, take on climate change. We might be able to solve some of our most intractable problems. And that's the promise. And the promise is almost as gorgeous a fruit as the money. And you put those mm. two together and you get, you convince all these people that, you know, the danger is negligible. Let's go for the money and the fruit. Except but we've it, lived long enough to know but that it's that's... Not, it's obviously not negligible. Anyone with any yeah. ounce of yeah. sense can see that it's... A, I'm going to start an analog resistance party. I think you should. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I go back, go back, look at, look at my watch. My watch is an analog watch. Oh, I, yes, know, I, very nice. James, I don't even have one, so I'm with you. <laughs> she uses a sundial. Well, yes. that's, that's, uh, we might all be using sundials again someday. Yeah, yes, and we're not far off. We may all be using sundials yes. again. Okay, well, I can't say you've put my mind at rest, no. James. I'm not, I'm not feeling any better about Sleep this. Well, I'm feeling Sarah. worse about this, I Sleep think. Well but I do say. think we have to try and get governments involved. Yeah. And we have to find out who these lobbyists are mm. and maybe just, and to, you know, lock and, them in a dark and room. And the other part of that is to, for people to listen to, to shows like yours and to get to educate themselves. So... When someone's blowing smoke in their ear about this issue, they know it. And they know what good sense is and what nonsense is. And then, you know, with that knowledge, lobby your politicians, you know, vote. There was one yes. candidate, presidential candidate, his name was Yang Wang, who in his platform had a message about AI. And then he didn't get, he didn't mm. get any traction. Right now in Congress is a bill that's pretty much stalled about uh, supervising AI, about supervising the development, mm. getting some really well-respected artificial intelligence developers to be a kind mm. of uh, governing agency. God, yes. but, but you also write about the money thing because I've been trying to get something done about internet porn, which is basically streamed into every child's telephone mm. unrestricted. Yeah. And there is just no appetite for people to stick their necks out. And also they always bring up free speech and, you know, freedom of whatever well, you're choice. Being nanny and state all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Being a nanny state. And this is the problem that we have with the AI thing. I think it's a similar thing, which people will just say that people like me and you are just Luddites mm. and we don't really understand 
you know how brilliant this thing is mm. and we're just trying to be well and, and more and more more and yeah. more we're getting reports i just finished a project about suicide prevention and more and more mm. we're getting studies and report one after another linking social networks like facebook like instagram to teenage mental health issues and suicide mm. and suicide the rise you know right now in america suicide is the number two killer of kids between 10 and 24. The precipitous rise of that coincides with the uh, development of social networks. What's mm. the number one killer? Accidents. I thought it was school shootings. There's not uh, well, it's, Yeah, that's one of the largest killers of kids right now is gunfire, which is just another, yeah, oh, that's just absolutely thought, yeah. appalling. And again, where you've got deep pockets the powerful gun you've lobby got, you've got you've got the weapons manufacturers you've got the, mm. the nra mm. buying off these politicians like french fries they won't budge on it well we're going to get you back i hope when oh, you've Jane, written please, your yes. oh, when sure. you've written your Not next yes. book Fascinating. i'll have uh yeah, when is I'll, that happening well i've got a suicide book out in about a year Okay. Oh, that's cheery. Yes. You, you must look be fun at dinner parties, James. Yes, we look forward to that hugely. <laughs> I don't know. You know, <laughs> let's get James over for dinner. You can't. You can't yeah, not that guy again. You can't. You can't choose what you become fascinated with, and it's it's my no. my way of trying to do some good. Uh, you know, mm. try to prevent suicides. Try to prevent some suicides, and then mm. with this, try to. You know, uh, fortunately, I'm not alone. In, in, in 2013, when I finished, when our final invention came out, it was me and, you know, you could fit everybody in a phone booth who was worried about mm -hmm. AI. And now kids don't know what phone booths are. Mm -hmm. But but now it's 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 popular. I was just reading an article by Max Tegmark in Time magazine about it. No, there's been a lot of stuff it's, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah no, and that's good. good. That's really good. Uh, and I think it's because people are starting to see the effects. You know, there was that picture of the Pope dressed in a white puffer jacket that took the internet by storm. That mm. was really, that people kind of, you know. Yes. You say kids don't know what phone boxes are. My son the other day tried to use an old-fashioned landline phone that we have in the house. Oh, yes. And <laughs> you know how you pick it up and then you dial yeah. it? He spent about half an hour dialing the number and then picking up the phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> because, of course, for them, it's always been the other way around. Well, it's like He's children like, doing that to books or work. trying to yeah, do that think in their books. iPads. Yeah. Terrible. Analog resistance. That's what yeah. I say. Yes, well, I'm, I'll be right behind you slowly, yeah. obviously. Yes, obviously. <laughs> Thank you, James. Thank you very oh, the much. The pleasure's mine. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. That was James Barrett, terrifying man, author of our final invention, artificial intelligence, and the end of the human era. We will put a link to James's website in the show notes. In the UK, use of prescribed medical cannabis is soaring, but cannabis remains an illegal drug, which can lead to difficulty. Difficulties for patients who are stopped by the police. A new card from Relief, that's clever, I like that, <laughs> who are a UK pharmacy, aims to help patients prove the legitimacy of their prescriptions quickly and easily. Joining us now is Birds of a Feather star, Loose Women, and medical cannabis supporter, Linda Robson. Hi, Linda. Hi, girls. Hi. Hello. So I have so many questions. So, so So I. many questions. <laughs> so number one, how are we going to stop this card from being the most wanted thing by every teenager in London? Well, I think that's like, going to be difficult, but you're going to speak to a doctor before okay. you get given the medical card. Right. Um, I'm very for medicinal cannabis because I did a program called Gone to Pot where I travelled around America. In the South I remember that. Yeah. So medicinally, how amazing it is, and recreationally, not so amazing. Yeah. Because I think the young people are starting too young and their brains don't develop until their late 20s. 
and so then they can have psychotic episodes. But yeah. I met a little girl out there called Gianna. I was with John Fashnell, Christopher Biggins, Sam Seven, and Bobby George, and she was having up to a thousand seizures a day. And then after taking the medicinal cannabis, the seizures increased by ninety percent. Right, um, gosh. And I also met a young boy on Twitter called Darren Blackwell, who had two forms of cancer, um, leukemia, and he had a rare form of cancer as well. And I befriended him and I used to go and visit him in Bristol. And then his mum rang me and said, I think you better come now because something is going to last much longer. So I went to say goodbye to Darren. And then a couple of weeks later, she said, you won't believe it, Linda, but I started him on medicinal cannabis and he's improved so much. And now the last time I spoke to him, he's working for Heston Blumenthal. Gosh. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. So what's Can, the difference? With, sorry. Oh, I was going to ask the same question. Me. What's the difference between medicinal cannabis? And normal cannabis. And normal <laughs> cannabis. Well, the cannabis that I think is helping me with, you've got to have the THC in it. The CBD oils are just as good. But um, say if you've had chemo and you're feeling really, really sick, then you can try the cannabis, which is natural and from the ground. They've done lots of studies in it. It's really good for Parkinson's, mm. multiple cirrhosis. Um, my aunt lives in Peterborough and she's had Parkinson's for years. I've tried to persuade her with the medicinal cannabis, but she wouldn't have it. She won't do it. But so it's not the same stuff that people smoke? It's completely different because this is done in a really clean environment. What you buy on the street corner is completely different to what they're... Mm-hmm. It's also been tweaked with but the and, THC and, levels and all that sort of stuff. And do you actually smoke it or has it been... I, had, I smoked it quite a lot when I, when I did gone to pot and it was quite relaxing. I had really good sleeps after it. Um, unfortunately, Biggins overdosed. We went to... Oh, I remember mate. that. It's so typical of Biggins. That's just <laughs> yeah. sort of what you'd that. expect He had a Biggins. terrible time, didn't he? He really did, yeah. He had yes. A, they're called whiteies. Whitey. Yes, that's right. We went to a nun's <laughs> house and she made us a three-course meal. All of it had cannabis in it. I said to him, you better be careful now. It's not the same as smoking it because the edibles are much yeah. stronger than stuff that you smoke and that. He overdosed. I think he had four scoops of ice cream with it. Had, okay. We had pasta and we had a starter as well. And I kept saying, Biggin, you don't know what you're doing here. Like, just slow down, don't eat as much. But he wouldn't listen. And that's what I said at the end of it. Serves you right for being greedy. <laughs> Poor Biggin. He did. He, he literally went sheet white and had that very dank face. Oh, it's, he it's was just like a psychedelic bus. And all of a sudden I heard, Help. <laughs> and I went in and he couldn't even speak. He was like a zombie sitting there. And then we had to get him off the bus. Took a few of us to get him off because he couldn't even walk. He'd lost the use of his legs and everything. And then the paramedics came in and they were giving him peppercorns. They said that. Is what? that what counteracts it? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it took peppercorns? Him- How weird. Yes. Yeah, so they, they gave him some peppercorns to chew. It took a few days before he was back to normal. That's Can I, I to, so if you think that you need medical cannabis, how can you get it prescribed? And when you are prescribed it, where does it come from? Who supplies it? So it's all grown legally in this country. And the whole idea is to have the card so that if you're stopped by the police, because people like my aunt, Jan, who would be petrified of being called a drug addict or whatever, or being stopped by the police, that you get this medicinal card. The police can scan it and they can see that you're allowed. It's medicinal cannabis that mm. you've got. And that. But I think it will be quite difficult to police the young people because obviously as you said lots of people are trying to get yes. well I mean there's a huge thriving market in fake IDs yes, yes they all huge, have fake yeah. IDs and they're quite clever at it so yes. this is going to be a big problem they, they also do that with steroids by the way because when I was having steroids yeah. for um, IVF yeah. I was issued with a card which said this woman is on steroids and should not be stopped from doing anything because she's dangerous because <laughs> she's dangerous <laughs> <laughs> and it was a special medical card. 
it meant stopped yeah. steroids, but yeah. obviously just meant stop yeah. from doing anything as yeah. far as I could work out. Even John um, on this coach trip that we did, he was really anti-marijuana. Yeah. He was the only one that was. The rest of us were interested and wanted to find out yeah. how, how good it can be. We went to see this little girl that I spoke about, a little girl, Gianni, and he broke down after it and said, I think I might have changed my mind because mm. all of her seizures changed. And she's got, he's got a son that had special needs and was born with lots of problems. And he just said, I wish I'd known about it when my son was young. I mean, the thing is, a lot of people, I think, find a lot of people, especially parents of teenagers like myself, you know, worry about the amount of weed smoking that goes on yeah. amongst that age group. And as you said, the problem is, is that if you start smoking it when you're young, so 16, 17, 18, your frontal lobe hasn't yet developed. And that's yeah. quite important. And it can have long term quite detrimental long-term effects. And also, yeah. it is very addictive. People think that weed is not addictive, but it is. Mm. No, it is. But medical cannabis is, is a very different form of But cannabis. that's what I don't understand how it's different. I'm sorry, I'm being I really stupid. it's grown in a different environment. Right. Like, like the one, it's nowhere near as strong. No, it not. no. The ones that we saw in America, we went to where they were growing the cannabis, and it was all, like, really pure. They even played music to the cannabis. That was right. We but it's very, very good for pain relief. It really when, is, when, yeah. when my stepfather had cancer, he had a lot of CBD oil. Mm. You can get it and just put it under your tongue, don't yes, you? Yes, yeah. yeah. And that was very good for pain relief. It's also very relaxing. Mm. And if you're doing things like chemo, mm. which he was, chemo really affects your appetite. Yeah. It makes, makes you feel really very sick. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you really sick. So that stops you from feeling so sick. Yeah. So it brings back your appetite a bit, which when you're fighting something like cancer, what you do need is a bit mm. of vitamins in your armoury yeah. because you're depleted of so many is things. It, I mean, is it, what's the government's approach to it? Do you know? Have you um, any... I'm not really sure about the government's approach, but what they do at Relief is that you speak to a doctor, you can mm. Zoom the doctor or FaceTime the doctor, tell him what your problems are, mm. and then they will they can deliver it to you within like 48 hours, and it's all in a vacuum pack, and it's all the pure stuff and everything. Mm. I've got a bit of arthritis and I was thinking about starting taking some CBD or that it would yeah. for me in particular. I did a thing called coach trips, every coach trip, and I yeah. fell and hurt my knee and I've had loads of problems with it ever since. Mm. I'm my age as well, 65 now, so I'm getting on. But the terrible thing about painkillers is they are highly addictive mm. yeah. uh, and they also make you feel absolutely rotten yeah. the next yeah, day. So if you have a sleeping pill because your knees are hurting mm. and you have some painkillers because mm. your knees are hurting, that combination is going to make you feel rubbish. Mm. I don't take anything morning. like that. I just use the ibuprofen gel on my knees. Oh, do you? Actually, I find that works really well. Oh, yeah. You could give that a go. I've I'm just yeah, a, I believe I've been using that and I've got a yeah. band around it. But, um, yeah, it's quite good. But I, but I imagine that the marijuana, if you take that in, in lieu of mm. both of the, that combination of a painkiller yeah. and a sleeping pill, mm. is much better for mm. your body. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, is it's, I mean, I think it's quite a big market. I mean, well, I've just come back from Italy and in Italy, you go to the bar, the local bar, and there's a display and there's like 27 different types of cannabis that you can just buy really? over the counter. Yeah, it's well, you completely... know it's organic and they've got like yeah. CBD oils, CBD, yeah. different things than that. Yeah, no, but this is actually stuff that you smoke and it's pre-packaged and it tells you what the strength is and it's taxed and it's legal. Yeah. And it's like buying a pack of cigarettes, you know. You and pay... also the government are taxing it in America and it's helping lots of the homeless to get homes and that because they're getting mm. such big tax relief 
from the benefit. I mean, I think the, the, the argument for legalisation in the UK has always been that if you legalise it and tax it, A, you can channel the money back into something useful, yeah. but also you eliminate the gangs. Because, I mean, so much gang violence is related to yeah, drug is. smuggling. But it's a very difficult conversation that nobody wants to have because, you know, they don't want to be seen as pro-drugs. Yeah. Yeah, but then also places which have, like, Amsterdam, mm. that's actually not that fun to Mm-mm. walk along the streets in Amsterdam, it's which really I not. did recently. I mean, the level of marijuana smoke mm. is off the scale. You just smell it everywhere. We, I think in sort of, America, wherever we went in America, especially San Francisco, you can't get used yeah. to the fact that... You I hate the smell as well. I really hate the smell. It smells like foxes, we. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> disgusting. I was thinking that if they did legalise it, maybe somebody clever could engineer an odourless strain at yeah. Least, yeah. so we don't have to put up with but the stink. But you're also still smoking. But I mean, so I, live that, in, I mean, that's not, not very good for you Chiswick, still. I live in Chiswick and I yeah. can smell it on every street corner. Yeah. I mean, it's just... You can smell ganja I certainly can ganja. <laughs> it is Eaton too. My sister lives on an estate near Barnsbury and like walking through her little alleyways and that you can just smell mm. it and see the kids under the stairwell smoking. Mm. So we're fighting a losing battle anyway then. Well, we are, but I think we're getting there. If my grandchildren had any form of illness, I would definitely recommend cannabis yeah. rather than having the drugs or whatever. And I how does it work? Do you know anything about why it has these positive effects? I mean, I, what is I don't the... really. I just know that it comes from the ground, and if you get the proper stuff, then it's much better for you than taking tablets or drugs or chemo. Mm. I'm not saying come off, but it's not great for everything. But I think it's more for relief of pain. There's going to be a lot of money in it, isn't there? Yeah, there will be. If you go to California, there are huge shops with yeah. incredibly, you know, hundreds of different yeah. variants, you know, it's strawberry flavoured. So you can get gum. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is it grown in polytunnels? I bet you it's grown it in is, polytunnels. It is, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like tomatoes. I think it needs about the same sort of climate as a tomato. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. amazing. Yeah. It really, really is if it's used properly. What about gummies? Do a lot of them come in gummies? Because everyone keeps gummy saying bears. gummies. Yeah, they've just got the CBD in them. Some of them have got the THC. But we took the odd gummy bear out in America to get over the jet lag as well. So I right. sleeps when I was taking the gummy bear. So the THC uh, is the thing that makes you stoned. Yeah. yeah. And the CBD is the thing that makes you better. The THC, Relax, is, right. but the THC is also the thing that's good for like the, the, fits, the epileptic fits. Uh, okay. But that's quite strong. Okay, so you need both, really. You yes. can't separate the two. Yes. Well, this is fascinating. I feel, I feel like I'm very down <laughs> well, with I'm the kids slightly, now. I'm uh, upset that I wasn't on your trip. Yeah. I know, it was an amazing trip, honestly. <laughs> it really, really was. I remember it vividly, and you were on some sort of electric Kool-Aid acid test sort of bus. Yeah, that's right, a psychedelic bus. We travelled <laughs> yes. around, went to Denver, San Francisco. Yeah. We had a lady on the other day, the other day, about a year ago, who was talking about the use of psychedelics and microdosing of oh, psychedelics yes. for depression. Apparently, there's a lot yeah. of research going into that at the moment. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yes. So maybe brilliant. a combination of those two things. Yeah. Well, thanks, Linda. Thanks very much. That was Loose Woman and medical cannabis supporter Linda Robson. We will put a link to relief in the show notes. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailpass.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you would like to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus. You can tweet me at Westminster Wag. And Imogen has still been cancelled by Twitter. <laughs> yes. Uh, but she also has an alternative website, which is... At... God, I don't even read my writing. No, I can't read it. That's uh, why I'm asking you to say it. At G Big Book Club. Okay, because that's the thing that she does to do with books. Yes. Because she's awfully clever. <laughs> can smell and everything. I, I have one more string to my bow, and that's it. 
Anyway, you can tweet her there. Go and troll her at GBIG Book Club. Yes? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> You've been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards Jones. Thank you for listening.